This is Know Your Foe, your weekly in-depth look at the Jets' 2018 opponents. have a third and ten. Here comes pressure, and they've gotten to him. The ball is out in the end zone, and it's recovered for the touchdown. It was Vaughn Miller with the strip sack. Brady, the pressure from behind, gets rid of it. Oh, Harkowski left alone. Breaks off the tackle, and he's in for the touchdown. And now, here's your host, Michael Mania. Hello and welcome back to the Turn on the Jets Know Your Foe podcast. I'm your host, Michael Mania, and this week as we get ready for the Green Bay Packers to come into MetLife Stadium and take on the Jets for their final home game of the season, we got a very special guest on with us today to talk Green Bay. We got Mark Esponite coming on with us to talk to Scott Mason a little bit about the Packers, and as Scott proclaimed him himself, he is a Packers encyclopedia, one of the best Packers minds out there, so definitely stay tuned for that interview with Mark Espinay. But before that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers defense because obviously at this point of the season, our main focus as Jets fans, Jets observers, is Sam Darnold and his ability to build momentum towards the end of the season as we move into 2019. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the numbers on the Packers defense. I'll talk a little bit about that, and then I'll throw it over to Scott for the interview. So Let's look at some of the Packers' numbers on defense this season. On paper, across the board, their defensive numbers are pretty mediocre. They're 17th in total scoring defense, 18th in points per drive allowed, uh, 17th in rushing yards per attempt, 12th in passing yards per attempt, 8th in third down defense, 16th in red zone defense. So across the board, the Packers' defense has been pretty average, but the area where the Packers' defense under the radar kind of has uh, makes their numbers look worse than they actually are is the fact that they've played a really easy slate of offenses this season. According to sharpfootballstats.com, the Packers have played the third easiest schedule of opposing offenses this season behind only Houston and the Rams. So they've gotten a lot of help from that. So the fact that their numbers across the board are mediocre definitely is a bit misleading because since the Packers have played such an easy schedule, uh, it's made their numbers look a lot better than they really are. So they do check in at 25th in defensive DVOA. They're 17th against the pass, and they're 29th against the run. But playing at home is going to be a huge advantage for the Jets against this Packers team because the Packers are 0-7 on the road this season. They have the sixth-worst scoring defense on the road, and they've given up the third-highest opposing passer rating in the league in road games. They've given up 15 touchdowns and picked off only one pass in road games this season. So that defense has taken a huge step back on the road, one of the worst defenses in the league when playing away from Green Bay. So that'll be a huge advantage for Donald and the Jets in this game against this Packers defense. So a little bit of numbers there to get set the tone for Darnold against the Packers this Sunday, as hopefully he'll get to play against Aaron Rodgers, compete against him. That would be a ton of fun to see Darnold go up against one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers. It would be a lot of fun to, after seeing Darnold play Watson last week, now get to play Rodgers and then get to compete against Brady next week. It would be a lot of fun to see Darnold go against Rodgers if he plays this week. And it does seem like Rodgers is looking to play over these couple games. He's come out and said that he wants to finish this season strong for the Packers in spite of some of the injuries 
he's had this season and the Packers potentially wanting to shut him down for 2019, which is something uh, Green Bay's done with Rodgers before. So it looks like Rodgers wants to play in this game. We will see what happens, but it should be another great opportunity for Darnold to get some confidence going. And Darnold also has played one of the toughest opposing schedules of defenses in the league this year. So to play Packers defense that, especially on the road, has struggled this year, it could be a really good opportunity for Darnold to get some confidence going, put some big numbers up, which definitely would be a huge uh, confidence booster from a fan standpoint because overall his numbers aren't that great this year. So great opportunity for Darnold to go up against some great competition in Rodgers and play against a Packers team that struggled defensively. So with that, I'll throw it over to Scott Mason, and he's got a tremendous interview with Mark Espinay, Packers expert. So Take a listen. Thanks, Michael. Figured this week, since we're dissecting the Packers, I would bring in my buddy who knows more about the Packers than almost anybody on earth. He's somebody that I worked with for quite a while, and I've spent many Sundays eating pizza, watching football in his man cave basement with seven or eight TVs where we have all the games on at one time. But the one TV that would always be focused on the Packers when they were playing was the main TV right in the center. So, Happy to welcome my buddy Mark Espinay onto the show. Mark, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me, Scott. Um, pleasure to be on your show. He's interested in uh, talking some Packers here. Yeah, this is not a great season for either one of us, though, unfortunately. The Jets were a team that wasn't expected to do much. The Packers, a little bit more expected just because of Aaron Rodgers and what you expect on a normal basis from the Packers, and we're getting that in a second, but quick background. The all-time series, the Jets lead it 8-4, to which a lot of people would be surprised about, but you got to remember that the Packers had a pretty big dry spell for a certain period as well, so that's when the Jets racked up some wins. You take a look at this, though, Mark. And the Jets have yet to beat Aaron Rodgers. Now, granted, they've only faced him twice, but they lost the last two meetings in 2010, which almost resulted in a Super Bowl rematch because the Packers went on to win the Super Bowl. The Jets ended up losing in the AFC Championship game to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the Packers won that one 9 nothing. I was there. It was a cold day in October. I think it was Halloween, actually. And then the last meeting that they had, I remember this very vividly because I was watching it with you in your basement. And it looked good for the Jets because they were up by 18 going into the third quarter. And then Aaron Rodgers decided to take over. He had that 80-yard touchdown pass that swung the momentum. And I wanted to take that Packers plushie that you have that says, Go Pack, every time you squeeze it. I wanted to take it and shove it up your nose because you kept (laughs) squeezing that thing and pounding it every time the Packers scored a touchdown. And it was cementing the fact that the Jets were losing the lead. That was in 2014 with Geno Smith at quarterback. And that was the beginning of the end for Geno because the Jets had gotten off to a nice start. And then from there, it was all downhill for Geno. But that's really the recent background of what's been going on. The Jets actually, I was telling you off the air, I forgot about this, but they had a pretty good record against Brett Favre. They were 3-1 against him, including in 2002 when the Jets needed to beat the Packers to get into the playoffs the last game of the season. That was the season where the Jets had gone on a tear late with Chad Pennington, and they needed to win. They needed a whole bunch of things to happen, one of like five things, and then at the end, the Patriots did them a favor, knocked off the Dolphins in overtime 
which set the scene for that game. And then the Jets went in and curb stomped the Packers 42-17 and ended up going into the playoffs, which is weird because every time the Jets and Packers play with one team having a playoff berth on the line, it seems like the Jets are the ones that come out on top because another thing you and I were talking about was 1981 when late in the season the Packers needed a victory over the Jets to keep their playoff hopes alive and the Jets crushed them. And I was also telling you, and I want to do a series on 1981 on Play Like a Jet one of these days, that that was a magical year for the Jets as far as the sack exchange. That was a year that the, the term was coined because Gastineau, Klecko, Lyons, and Abdul Salam had a combined something like 60 sacks with over 40 of them coming from Gastineau and Klecko. So just an incredible season there for the Jets. But Let's move into more recent times, especially right now, where the Jets and Packers are both not faring so well. Again, we expected this from the Jets, Mark. We did not necessarily expect it from the Packers. The Jets go into this one at 4-10. and 10, The Packers at 5-8-1. and one. Both teams are eliminated from playoff competition, which is astounding. You don't expect Aaron Rodgers to be eliminated from playoff competition with two games to go. But a lot of things on the horizon here for the Packers, a lot of changes, a lot of shakeups come especially with Mike McCarthy. So let's start there. The Packers fired him a couple of weeks ago, replaced him with Joe Philbin, who Jets fans know pretty well because he was at one point the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So let's talk about this first, Mark. First of all, from a Jet fan perspective, I want to know your thoughts on McCarthy because he's a name that's popped up as far as potential Jet head coaching candidates. And second of all, what did you think of the actual firing? Was it warranted? What did you see from McCarthy, good and bad, over the last 13 years? McCarthy, I think if he was to come in and lead the Jets organization, um, he would give them a bit of stability. If, it, if anything, he's been stable throughout his uh, coaching career with the Packers. But um, I guess patience was wearing a bit thin with uh, the fact that you have a marquee quarterback and you're not reaping the results in the playoffs. Or uh, you know, Now you have two consecutive losing seasons. Uh, granted, Rodgers was hurt last year. But now you have a full, full season under Rodgers' belt. And uh, this team really didn't get off the ground this year. Um, I've never been a big fan of interim coaches. I think if you're going to fire your head coach, you might as well ride it out for the season. But I guess they wanted to get a jump on uh, potential coaches that could be out there and uh, try to reel in someone that they have their sights set on, I guess, at this point. And it feels like it was kind of a rocky ride all the way around, much more so than you're used to seeing in Green Bay. It resulted in the firing of McCarthy, but there was some turmoil anyway. Think about this, Mark. You had two players that were considered key contributors at one point that were shipped out of town, and it was only October. We saw Ty Montgomery, that whole situation. I'm going to have you talk about this with the fumble. And then HaHa Clinton Dix gets shipped away to the Redskins. Montgomery traded away to the Ravens. So tell me a little bit about those trades and what was going on with that. It was a bit of a strange situation. I mean, if we want to even go a few weeks prior to that, uh, Mason Crosby, their kicker, ended up missing five kicks in one game against the Detroit Lions. And they gave him a pat on the back, basically, and wanted to show their confidence in him, kept him on board. But then three weeks later, in a uh, key game against the Rams out, out in Los Angeles, the Packers were trying to mount a fourth-quarter comeback. And unfortunately, Ty Montgomery was the kick returner for the Packers, and he decided to field a kick in the end zone that he really should have either let it go through the end zone or should have taken a knee at that point just to preserve time on the clock and give Rodgers a chance to uh, mount a comeback in the fourth quarter. They only had uh, maybe about a minute and a half left on the clock, something like that, under two, minute, under two minutes to work with. 
and he ended up fumbling on that play. So uh, initially, it just looked like, okay, it was was a mistake. Uh, Maybe he hadn't been told not to field that kick, but supposedly he was pretty well drilled going in. They told him, you know, we need to preserve every second. Don't bring this thing out. And because he wasn't, he wasn't getting many touches, uh, he was a bit frustrated and decided to bring that kick out, kick out, try to make something happen and ended up giving the game away basically. So within two days, uh, after there was a lot of bad press, they ended up uh, shipping him out to Baltimore and getting a, uh, draft pick in exchange in uh, 2020, a seventh round pick. So they really didn't get much in exchange for him, but I believe he was going to be a free agent at the end of the season anyway. So maybe they figured they would cut their losses at that point. But it was right. Uh, it was either the same day or, or, or a day later, uh, right before the trade deadline, they ended up letting Ha Ha Clinton Dix go to the Redskins. And that one was a bit of a head-scratcher because their secondary was a bit thin to begin with, and it kind of left them a bit vulnerable. So, Mark, let's get into some of the weaknesses and strengths of this team with the new coach, with Clinton Dix and Montgomery gone. The running game has been pretty weak this year. Aaron Jones stepped up a little bit, and it seemed as though that was another thing, by the way, that did in McCarthy, the fact that he waited so long to play Jones when he was sitting there, and obviously their best option for a while. But he's been dinged up. Overall, the running game has not helped Rodgers much. Tell me a little bit about what Aaron Jones has meant to the team, if he's going to be coming back to play against the Jets, if we know anything about that, and the running game overall for the Packers. I believe there's a chance he could play against the Jets. Um, he was inactive against the Bears, and uh, they really didn't have a whole lot of options in the backfield. So they rarely ran the ball, found themselves in a catch-up situation against Chicago. So uh, their running game was pretty much a non-factor. And against the Jets' front, it may again be a non-factor. Um, they don't have a whole lot of push. They're pretty good in pass protection at times, but even uh, against the Bears, there were a lot of situations where the Bears were sending edge rushers and the pocket was just collapsing on Rodgers. He wasn't getting outside. He wasn't rolling out as he normally would. If the uh, Jets can get some contain on him, it could work to their advantage. Luckily for the Packers, the Jets don't actually have any edge rushers, so that'll be good for the Packers. But listen, Todd Bowles is known for trying to get in some exotic blitzes, so we may see some of that, and they may try to take advantage of exactly what you were talking about. Let's talk a little bit about Rodgers now, too. He's been getting some criticism this year, which normally is never the case. Everybody usually fawns over him. But this year, he's been getting a little bit of criticism. And the wide receivers, it doesn't seem like they're being able to produce at the type of level that Packer fans are used to because, Marcus, you and I have talked about for a long time, Packers have had some really excellent receivers over the last couple of decades, including Sterling Sharp, who, for my money, in his prime was one of the best wide receivers ever. If he would played a little bit longer, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame. A lot of stability at quarterback, too, because before Rodgers and Favre, the magic man Don Mikowski was the quarterback for a while. So let's talk about this passing game, the receivers and Aaron Rodgers. What's going on here? Uh, it's kind of interesting, really. I mean, the Packers are very fortunate. If you look back at the last 30 years of Packer history, they've basically had three quarterbacks uh, full-time, Don Mikowski, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and a lot of people credit uh, Brett Favre with the turning point of, of the franchise as far as them be- becoming uh, a winner again. But really, that could be credited to Sterling Sharp um, and his efforts with Don Mikowski back in the late 80s. Uh, but the thing with this team throughout all of that is that they had uh, a lot of homegrown 
receiving talent. They didn't, they weren't bringing receivers in from other franchises. They weren't signing free agents. They weren't making key trades to try to bring in that deep threat receiver. But instead, they were growing these guys from within the organization, and they continue to do that. Um, and even now, it's kind of to their detriment that they've been doing that because they're down to basically Randall Cobb at the end of his career, and luckily uh, Devontae Adams has come into his own. But they're a bit thin. It's not the uh, receiving core you would be accustomed to in Green Bay. Uh, you know, usually you think of this passing arsenal, but uh, he's, he had to rely on a lot of uh, younger receivers, and they're breaking off routes early, and they're turning in instead of turning out. I mean, they basically met on the same page with Rodgers, and um, he just had, hasn't had that much of a successful season. It's funny when you say that because his numbers are great, but not as much success as he normally would have. He has chemistry with Adams, but that's about it. Yeah, with Rodgers, it's different. It's sort of like with Brady. You just expect transformational greatness from him every year, so if he's not on a superstar level to the point where he's shining above everybody else in the league. It's considered a bad year for him, and he's going to get some criticism. So is that pretty much what you think is going on with Rodgers this year? Because you've seen every snap. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it basically comes down to chemistry with the receiving core. Like him and Adams, it's kind of an unspoken uh, chemistry that they have. Adams knows the timing of a play in his head, and he knows when the ball's in the air. He doesn't have to look the ball will be coming coming towards him. He basically will turn and it's there. And that's where a lot of those back shoulder passes come from. It's just basically the timing between him and Rodgers are so well drilled. But the younger receivers, you've seen a lot of balls hitting the ground now, and he's overthrowing a lot of them and underthrowing a lot of them. Just, the timing is just not there. Mark, I want to ask you, you mentioned that at one point the Packers were still very much in playoff contention. That ship has sailed, unfortunately, for them. But there were moves that could have been made as far as wide receivers, you said they didn't make the big wide receiver moves traditionally, but they had a chance to maybe bring in Des Bryant. They had a chance to maybe trade for Amari Cooper. They didn't do either one of those things, and they continued to spiral without some wide receiver help. Do you think that the fans and the media have properly criticized the Packers for not doing enough to go out and get Rodgers some help? I think they really should try to bring in some more help, and not necessarily through the draft. You need some uh, proven uh, veteran talent like an Amari Cooper may have uh, stabilized the receiving core some. Des Bryant, I mean, whatever differences he may have had with the Cowboys or him being uh, maybe uh, a bad apple in the in the locker room, that, that may, may be something they wanted to avoid, but um, having Des Bryant on the field would have definitely been to their benefit. So let's talk about the defense now, Mark. Bring us up to date on what Jets fans should expect to see from this unit. And I also want to ask you in a second about our old friend Muhammad Wilkerson, so we'll make that a separate question. But first, let's start with the Packer defense as a unit. What have they been good at? What have they been bad at? And what should we expect to see on Sunday? Um, they've been snake-bitten by some injuries. Um, of course, Muhammad Wilkerson and uh, and also Mike Daniels uh, to what was supposed to be their main pass rushers. Um, so they don't have a whole lot of uh, push up front. Uh, and they're just fundamentally not a sound defensive core. Uh, linebackers are good, um, but there's way too much arm tackling going on. I mean, it's uh, kind of what the game has evolved into. Um, if, if you remember, there were always those classic uh, clips of Vince Lombardi on the sidelines complaining that no one's tackling out there. Everybody's grabbing, grab, grab, grab. Well, that's basically 
in a nutshell, that's basically what the Packers defense is this year and what it has been for many years. Um, many hoped that it was going to improve, but uh, there's a lot of broken tackles, uh, just poor fundamentals. Um, they're over-pursuing. They're running past uh, quarterbacks in the backfield. Um, and secondary can be exploited when you uh, extend plays like that. You're basically leaving a quarterback to step up in the pocket or roll out, and um, they've been burned. So let's talk now about our old friend Muhammad Wilkerson. As you know, Mark, because you live in New York, even though you're a Packers fan, Muhammad Wilkerson fell out of favor with the Jets because essentially he just stopped caring and stopped trying for the last two seasons. And it became a point of contention, not only with teammates, not only with coaches, not only with the front office, not only with the media, but the fans were really infuriated. The whole thing became that Muhammad Wilkerson was stealing money from the Jets, and so he ended up getting released and going to the Packers. Did he regain any of his form with the Packers, or was it same old Mo kind of loafing around and underperforming? There's a possibility he could turn things around in the years to come and maybe make a, a solid case for him being in uh, the Packers organization. But um, it just hasn't worked out for him uh, health-wise. Uh, he found himself with that ankle injury that put him on the uh, injured reserve. Mark, before we get to predictions for what we think is going to happen on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Let's talk about the coaching searches here. So I'm curious what you think about, A, if the Packers are going to retain Philbin or look elsewhere, and B, we touched on McCarthy before, but whether or not you would hire him if you were the New York Jets. So what do you think? What will the Packers do? Will they keep Philbin slash should they keep Philbin? Who do you want? And then if you were the Jets, would you consider Mike McCarthy? Um, I think it's a chance that Joe Philbin could stay on for the Packers um, just because if you go back a couple of years, back to uh, when they made their last ball run in 2010, Joe Philbin was their offensive coordinator, and him and Rodgers uh, were on the same page. So he seemed like he would be the uh, logical progression in uh, moving him up to head coach if that that, that was going to come about. But um, there were a, co- a couple of other names now on the list. Um, they were looking at Josh McDaniels. I'm not a big fan, personally. I don't, know, I don't know how that would work out if they were to bring him in or what it would take to bring him in. Um, Gary Kubiak is another possibility. He's in the Broncos' uh, front office now. Um, and even John Harbaugh, if he should lose his job in Baltimore. Um, another name that comes up, but he'll deny it, is uh, Bruce Arians, I believe. He's... Uh, kind of poised to be the Browns' next head coach. Um, but uh, one name that does come up, it's a little unusual, is uh, John Filippo, who was recently let go from the Minnesota Vikings. Some disagreements in how that offense should have been running in Minnesota uh, led to his release. And um, I think the Packers were kind of scoping him out as a possibility if things had stayed the course. But being that he was let go in Minnesota now, there's a little bit of uncertainty there because uh, people are doubting what he may or may have not have been doing in Minnesota. Um, as far as um, McCarthy being considered for a head coach in New York, again, uh, I think he would lend a bit of stability to the, to the franchise. Um, he'll probably get them on the right track. Uh, whether he can push them through and, and get them over the, the final stage where they find themselves being tripped up in the championship games, that's yet to be seen, but um, he could maybe mold his team into being a contender once again. 
But along those lines, I got to ask this question because this is the most important question to Jets fans before we wrap up here. If you were the Jets, would you trust him with Sam Darnold's development? Because it seemed to me like Rodgers kind of developed in spite of McCarthy. At least that's what it felt like from a distance. So as somebody that watched McCarthy day in, day out, and really understands what he did from a strengths and weaknesses perspective with the Packers, what do you think, if you were the Jets, is that the guy that you want in charge of Sam Darnold's development going forward? I think for the most part throughout the the um, career of McCarthy and Green Bay, I think him and Rodgers were uh, getting along pretty well, maybe until recently now, a bit of frustration with the team underperforming. But I think at this stage in Darnold's career, I think it would be uh, a good thing. I think that uh, it, he doesn't have that, that much of a chip on his shoulder right now. He's still in those learning phases. Uh, it's always a shame when you see a quarterback having to go through a transition at head coach that early in, in those developmental years, those first uh, two or three years in the league where they may have to adapt to a new system. But uh, I think he's young enough where they could uh, steer the ship in the right direction, maybe get the Jets back into the win column. Let's hope so. What do you think, by the way, speaking of the win column, who's going to win this one on Sunday, the Jets or the Packers? Being the Packers fan, I would have to say the Packers. Uh, I think – even just being a football fan, I, I still have to say the Packers at this point. Uh, but it's going to be a close game. I don't see the Packers blowing the Jets out. Nothing nothing like that because the Packers have been, if anything, they've been inconsistent. And uh, they'll keep the Jets in the game uh, one way or another, I think. All right, Mark, thanks so much for joining me. It feels like we were having this discussion in your basement because we've had so many chats like this in your basement or even when we used to work together. I used to joke that we were doing a podcast without recording it. So today we actually did the podcast and recorded it as part of Know Your Foe with Michael Nanny. I'm going to head back to Michael in a second. But first, got to ask you, Mark, what are the games? That became an inside joke between Mark and I when we were working together because if you ever listen to the Rich Eisen podcast, there was a joke about how when Mike Ditka was co-host of this show called Coach Speak on NFL Network, a guy named Jason Wormser who used to go on Rich Eisen's podcast all the time, used to talk about how he produced that show. And they would do all this prep one day. I think it was like on a Thursday that week or something. And then they would go to tape Friday or Saturday or whatever it was. And he'd say, okay, let's get going. And then Ditka would say, what are the games? I don't even know the games. As if they hadn't just spent an entire day prepping all of the games to figure out what they were going to say on air. And so they actually had a clip that they had found, and they would play that sometimes on Eisen's podcast. So I used to do that with Mark when we were at work. We would joke. We'd be talking about what was coming up that weekend. And then I'd look at him, and I'd go, what are the games? I don't even know the games. And we would sometimes <laughs> even pull up that audio clip. Remember, Mark, and I would play it on my cell phone just to amuse us because we were working those late-night hours. So I'm glad that we were able to do this for real and record it and have it as part of a podcast. Thanks so much for hopping on, buddy. And Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Always fun talking to you, my friend. Michael, back to you. That'll do it for this episode of Know Your Foe. Thanks a ton for listening in. I'll be back to preview the New England Patriots next week. Talk to you then.